0: Section 1 of the State of the Union Addresses, 1849-1856. to This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zachary Taylor, December 4th, 1849, Part 1. Fellow Citizens of the Senate and House of Representatives. Sixty years have elapsed since the establishment of this government and the Congress of the United States again assembles to legislate for an empire of free men. The predictions of evil prophets who formerly pretended to foretell the downfall of our institutions are now remembered only to be derided, and the United States of America at this moment present to the world the most stable and permanent government on earth. Such is the result of the labors of those who have gone before us, upon congress will eminently depend the future maintenance of our system of free government and the transmission of it unimpaired to posterity we are at peace with all the other nations of the world and seek to maintain our cherished relations of amity with them during the past year we have been blessed by a kind providence with an abundance of the fruits of the earth and although the destroying angel for a time visited extensive portions of our territory with the ravages of a dreadful pestilence, yet the Almighty has at length deigned to stay his hand and to restore the inestimable blessing of general health to a people who have acknowledged his power, deprecated his wrath, and implored his merciful protection. While enjoying the benefits of amicable intercourse with foreign nations, We have not been insensible to the distractions and wars which have prevailed in other quarters of the world it is a proper theme of thanksgiving to him who rules the destinies of nations that we have been able to maintain amidst all these contests an independent and neutral position toward all belligerent powers our relations with great britain are of the most friendly character in consequence of the recent alteration of the British Navigation Acts, British vessels from British and other foreign ports will, under our existing laws, after the first day of January next, be admitted to entry in our ports with cargoes of the growth, manufacture, or production of any part of the world on the same terms as to duties, imposts, and charges as vessels of the United States with their cargoes, and our vessels will be admitted to the same advantages in british ports entering therein on the same terms as british vessels should no order in council disturb this legislative arrangement the late act of the british parliament by which great britain is brought within the terms proposed by the act of congress of the first of march eighteen seventeen it is hoped will be productive of benefit to both countries A slight interruption of diplomatic intercourse which occurred between this government and france i am happy to say has been terminated and our minister there has been received it is therefore unnecessary to refer now to the circumstances which led to that interruption i need not express to you the sincere satisfaction with which we shall welcome the arrival of another envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary from a sister republic, to which we have so long been, and still remain, bound by the strongest ties of amity. Shortly after I entered upon the discharge of the executive duties, I was apprised that a war-steamer belonging to the German Empire was being fitted out in the harbours of New York with the aid of some of our naval officers, rendered under the permission of the late Secretary of the Navy this permission was granted during an armistice between that empire and the Kingdom of Denmark, which had been engaged in the Schleswig-Holstein War. Apprehensive that this act of intervention, on our part, might be viewed as a violation of our neutral obligations incurred by the treaty with Denmark, and of the provisions of the Act of Congress of the 20th of April, 1818, I directed that no further aid should be rendered by any agent or officer of the Navy, and I instructed the Secretary of State to apprise the Minister of the German Empire, accredited to this government, of my determination to execute the law of the United States and to maintain the faith of treaties with all nations. The correspondence which ensued between the Department of State and the Minister of the German Empire is herewith laid before you. The execution of the law and the observance of the treaty were deemed by me to be due to the honour of the country, as well as to the sacred obligations of the constitution i shall not fail to pursue the same course should a similar case arise with any other nation having avowed the opinion on taking the oath of office that in disputes between conflicting foreign governments it is our interest not less than our duty to remain strictly neutral i shall not abandon it you will perceive from the correspondence submitted to you in connection with this subject that the course adopted in this case has been properly regarded by the belligerent powers interested in the matter although a minister of the united states to the german empire was appointed by my predecessor in august eighteen forty eight and has for a long time been in attendance at Frankfurt on the main and although a minister appointed to represent that empire was received and accredited here yet no such government as that of the german empire has been definitively constituted mr donelson our representative at Frankfurt, remained there several months in the expectation that a union of the german states under one constitution or form of government might at length be organized it is believed by those well acquainted with the existing relations between prussia and the states of germany that no such union can be permanently established without her cooperation in the event of the formation of such a union and the organization of a central power in germany of which she should form a part it would become necessary to withdraw our minister at berlin but while prussia exists as an independent kingdom and diplomatic relations are maintained with her there can be no necessity for the continuance of the mission to Frankfurt. i have therefore recalled mr donelson and directed the archives of the legation at Frankfurt to be transferred to the american legation at berlin having been apprised that a considerable number of adventurers were engaged in fitting out a military expedition within the United States against a foreign country, and believing from the best information I could obtain that it was destined to invade the island of Cuba, I deemed it due to the friendly relations existing between the United States and Spain, to the treaty between the two nations, to the laws of the United States, and above all to the American honor to exert the lawful authority of this government in suppressing the expedition and preventing the invasion. To this end, I issued a proclamation, enjoining it upon the officers of the United States, civil and military, to use all lawful means within their power. A copy of that proclamation is herewith submitted. The expedition has been suppressed. So long as the Act of Congress of the 20th of April, 1818, which owes its existence to the law of nations, and to the policy of Washington himself, shall remain on our statute books. I hold it to be the duty of the executive, faithfully to obey its injunctions. While this expedition was in progress, I was informed that a foreigner who claimed our protection had been clandestinely, and as was supposed forcibly, carried off in a vessel from New Orleans to the island of Cuba. I immediately caused such steps to be taken as I thought necessary, in case the information I had received should prove correct, to vindicate the honour of the country and the right of every person seeking asylum on our soil to the protection of our laws. The person alleged to have been abducted was promptly restored, and the circumstances of the case are now about to undergo investigation before a judicial tribunal. I would respectfully suggest that although the crime charged to have been committed in this case is held odious, as being in conflict with our opinions on the subject of national sovereignty and personal freedom, there is no prohibition of it or punishment for it provided in any act of Congress. The expediency of supplying this defect in our criminal code is therefore recommended to your consideration." I have scrupulously avoided any interference in the wars and contentions which have recently distracted Europe. During the late conflict between Austria and Hungary, there seemed to be a prospect that the latter might become an independent nation. However faint that prospect at the time appeared, I thought it my duty, in accordance with the general sentiment of the American people, who deeply sympathized with the Magyar patriots, to stand prepared upon the contingency of the establishment by her of a permanent government, to be the first to welcome independent Hungary into the family of nations. For this purpose I invested an agent, then in Europe, with power to declare our willingness promptly to recognize her independence in the event of her ability to sustain it. The powerful intervention of Russia in the contest extinguished the hopes of the struggling Magyars the united states did not at any time interfere in the contest but the feelings of the nation were strongly enlisted in the cause and by the sufferings of a brave people who had made a gallant though unsuccessful effort to be free our claims upon portugal have been during the past year prosecuted with renewed vigour and it has been my object to employ every effort of honourable diplomacy to procure their adjustment our late chargé d'affaires at lisbon the hon george w hopkins made able and energetic but unsuccessful efforts to settle these unpleasant matters of controversy and to obtain indemnity for the wrongs which were the subjects of complaint our present chargé d'affaires at that court will also bring to the prosecution of these claims ability and zeal the revolutionary and distracted condition of portugal in past times has been represented as one of the leading causes of her delay in indemnifying our suffering citizens. But I must now say it is a matter of profound regret that these claims have not yet been settled. The omission of Portugal to do justice to the American claimants has now assumed a character so grave and serious that I shall shortly make it the subject of a special message to Congress, with a view to such ultimate action as its wisdom and patriotism may suggest. With Russia, Austria, Prussia, Sweden, Denmark, Belgium, the Netherlands, and the Italian states, we still maintain our accustomed, amicable relations. During the recent revolutions in the Papal States, our chargé d'affaires at Rome has been unable to present his letter of credence, which indeed he was directed by my predecessor to withhold until he should receive further orders such was the unsettled condition of things in those states that it was not deemed expedient to give him any instructions on the subject of presenting his credential letter different from those with which he had been furnished by the late administration until the twenty-fifth of june last when in consequence of the want of accurate information of the exact state of things at that distance from us he was instructed to exercise his own discretion in presenting himself to the then-existing government, if, in his judgment, sufficiently stable, or, if not, to await further events. Since that period, Rome has undergone another revolution, and he abides the establishment of a government sufficiently permanent to justify him in opening diplomatic intercourse with it. With the Republic of Mexico, it is our true policy to cultivate the most friendly relations. Since the ratification of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, nothing has occurred of a serious character to disturb them. A faithful observance of the treaty and a sincere respect for her rights cannot fail to secure the lasting confidence and friendship of that republic. message of my predecessor to the House of Representatives on the 8th of February last, communicating in compliance with a resolution of that body, a copy of a paper called a protocol, signed at Querétaro on the 30th of May 1848 by the Commissioners of the United States and the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Mexican government, having been a subject of correspondence between the Department of State, and the envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary of that republic accredited to this government, a transcript of that correspondence is herewith submitted. The Commissioner on the part of the United States for marking the boundary between the two republics, though delayed in reaching San Diego by unforeseen obstacles, arrived at that place within a short period after the time required by the treaty, and was there joined by the Commissioner on the part of Mexico they entered upon their duties, and at the date of the latest intelligence from that quarter, some progress had been made in the survey. The expenses incident to the organization of the Commission, and to its conveyance to the point where its operations were to begin, have so much reduced the fund appropriated by Congress, that a further sum to cover the charges which must be incurred during the present fiscal year will be necessary the great length of frontier along which the boundary extends, the nature of the adjacent territory, and the difficulty of obtaining supplies except at or near the extremes of the line, render it also indispensable that a liberal provision should be made to meet the necessary charges during the fiscal year ending on the 30th of June, 1851. I accordingly recommend this subject to your attention in the adjustment of the claims of american citizens on mexico provided for by the late treaty the employment of counsel on the part of the government may become important for the purpose of assisting the commissioners in protecting the interests of the united states i recommend this subject to the early and favorable consideration of congress Complaints have been made in regard to the inefficiency of the means provided by the government of New Granada for transporting the United States mail across the isthmus of Panama, pursuant to our postal convention with that republic, on the 6th of March, 1844. Our chargé d'affaires at Bogotá has been directed to make such representations to the government of New Granada, as will, it is hoped, lead to a prompt removal of this cause of complaint the sanguinary civil war with which the republic of venezuela has for some time been ravaged has been brought to a close in its progress the rights of some of our citizens resident or trading there have been violated the restoration of order will afford the venezuelan government an opportunity to examine and redress these grievances and others of longer standing which our representatives at caracas have hitherto ineffectually urged upon the attention of that government. The extension of the coast of the United States on the Pacific, and the unexampled rapidity with which the inhabitants of California especially are increasing in numbers, have imparted new consequence to our relations with the other countries whose territories border upon that ocean. It is probable that the intercourse between those countries and our possessions in that quarter particularly with the republic of chile will become extensive and mutually advantageous in proportion as california and oregon shall increase in population and wealth it is desirable therefore that this government should do everything in its power to foster and strengthen its relations with those states and that the spirit of amity between us should be mutual and cordial i recommend the observance of the same course toward all other American states. The United States stand as the great American power, to which, as their natural ally and friend, they will always be disposed first to look for mediation and assistance in the event of any collision between them and any European nation. As such, we may often kindly mediate in their behalf, without entangling ourselves in foreign wars or unnecessary controversies. Whenever the faith of our treaties with any of them shall require our interference, we must necessarily interpose. A convention has been negotiated with Brazil, providing for the satisfaction of American claims on that government, and it will be submitted to the Senate. Since the last session of Congress, we have received an envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary from that empire, and our relations with it are grounded upon the most amicable understanding your attention is earnestly invited to an amendment of our existing laws relating to the African slave trade, with a view to the effectual suppression of that barbarous traffic. It is not to be denied that this trade is still in part carried on by means of vessels built in the United States, and owned or navigated by some of our citizens. The correspondence between the Department of State and the Minister and Consul of the United States at Rio de Janeiro which has from time to time been laid before Congress, represents that it is a customary device to evade the penalties of our laws by means of sea letters. Vessels sold in Brazil, when provided with such papers by the Consul, instead of returning to the United States for a new register, proceed at once to the coast of Africa for the purpose of obtaining cargoes as slaves much additional information of the same character has recently been transmitted to the department of state it has not been considered the policy of our laws to subject an american citizen who in a foreign country purchases a vessel built in the united states to the inconvenience of sending her home for a new register before permitting her to proceed on a voyage any alteration of the laws which might have a tendency to impede the free transfer of property in vessels between our citizens or the free navigation of those vessels between different parts of the world, when employed in lawful commerce, should be well and cautiously considered. But I trust that your wisdom will devise a method by which our general policy in this respect may be preserved, and at the same time the abuse of our flag by means of sea letters, in the manner indicated, may be prevented. Having ascertained that there is no prospect of the reunion of the five states of Central America, which formerly composed the Republic of that name, we have separately negotiated with some of them treaties of amity and commerce, which will be laid before the Senate. A contract having been concluded with the state of Nicaragua by a company composed of American citizens for the purpose of constructing a ship canal through the territory of that state to connect the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans... I have directed the negotiation of a treaty with nicaragua pledging both governments to protect those who shall engage in and perfect the work all other nations are invited by the state of nicaragua to enter into the same treaty stipulations with her and the benefit to be derived by each from such an arrangement will be the protection of this great interoceanic communication against any power which might seek to obstruct it or to monopolize its advantages all states entering into such a treaty will enjoy the right of passage through the canal on the payment of the same tolls the work if constructed under these guarantees will become a bond of peace instead of a subject of contention and strife between the nations of the earth should the great maritime states of europe consent to this arrangement and we have no reason to suppose that a proposition so fair and honorable will be opposed by any the energies of their people and ours will cooperate in promoting the success of the enterprise. I do not recommend any appropriation from the national treasury for this purpose, nor do I believe that such an appropriation is necessary. Private enterprise, if properly protected, will complete the work should it prove to be feasible. The parties who have procured the charter from Nicaragua for its construction desire no assistance from this government beyond its protection and they profess that having examined the proposed line of communication they will be ready to commence the undertaking whenever that protection shall be extended to them should there appear to be reason on examining the whole evidence to entertain a serious doubt of the practicability of constructing such a canal that doubt could be speedily solved by an actual exploration of the route should such a work be constructed under the common protection of all nations For equal benefits to all, it would be neither just nor expedient that any great maritime state should command the communication. The territory through which the canal may be opened ought to be freed from the claims of any foreign power. No such power should occupy a position that would enable it hereafter to exercise so controlling an influence over the commerce of the world, or to obstruct a highway which ought to be dedicated to the common uses of mankind. The routes across the isthmus at Tehuantepec and Panama are also worthy of our serious consideration. They did not fail to engage the attention of my predecessor. The negotiator of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was instructed to offer a very large sum of money for the right of transit across the isthmus of Tehuantepec. The Mexican government did not accede to the proposition for the purchase of the right-of-way, probably because it had already contracted with private individuals for the construction of a passage from the guasacualco river to tehuantepec i shall not renew any proposition to purchase for money a right which ought to be equally secured to all nations on payment of a reasonable toll to the owners of the improvement who would doubtless be well contented with that compensation and the guarantees of the maritime states of the world in separate treaties negotiated with mexico Binding her and them to protect those who should construct the work. Such guarantees would do more to secure the completion of the communication through the territory of Mexico than any other reasonable consideration that could be offered. And as Mexico herself would be the greatest gainer by the opening of this communication between the Gulf and the Pacific Ocean, it is presumed that she would not hesitate to yield her aid in the manner proposed to accomplish an improvement so important to our own best interests. We have reason to hope that the proposed railroad across the isthmus at Panama will be successfully constructed under the protection of the late treaty with New Granada, ratified and exchanged by my predecessor on the tenth day of June, eighteen forty eight, which guarantees the perfect neutrality of the isthmus and the rights of sovereignty and property of New Granada over that territory, with a view that the free transit from ocean to ocean may not be interrupted or embarrassed during the existence of the treaty. It is our policy to encourage every practicable route across the isthmus which connects North and South America, either by railroad or canal, which the energy and enterprise of our citizens may induce them to complete, and I consider it obligatory upon me to adopt that policy, especially in consequence of the absolute necessity of facilitating intercourse with our possessions on the pacific the position of the sandwich islands with reference to the territory of the united states on the pacific the success of our persevering and benevolent citizens who have repaired to that remote quarter in christianizing the natives and inducing them to adopt a system of government and laws suited to their capacity and wants and the use made by our numerous whale-ships of the harbours of the islands as places of resort for obtaining refreshments and repairs, all combine to render their destiny peculiarly interesting to us. It is our duty to encourage the authorities of those islands in their efforts to improve and elevate the moral and political condition of the inhabitants, and we should make reasonable allowances for the difficulties inseparable from this task we desire that the islands may maintain their independence, and that other nations should concur with us in this sentiment. We could in no event be indifferent to their passing under the dominion of any other power. The principal commercial states have in this a common interest, and it is to be hoped that no one of them will attempt to interpose obstacles to the entire independence of the islands." End of section one. Recording by Owen Cook in Pottawatomie Seated Land.